Hi everyone, today is July 25th, 2020, and this is the Duel Assessment, your podcast for Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. My name is Green Ranger. This week, what do we have this week? The KC, uh, GT, whatever you call it, first stage, happened this morning actually. And the results won't be out for a couple more days. They have like some kind of live thing, I'll talk about that for a little bit. Um, Antimony, the new mysterious Turbo Duelist event, kind of a, a new format for that Mech Lord Emperor Wiesel and Antimony kind of together. Uh, roaming event, new cards from both characters. Um, Duel Quest, we'll talk about that from last week. Doug's Casual Deck of the Week, Doug has Red Eyes slash Predaplants. We've seen that deck before, check out his take on that deck. With new engines there. I'm going to go through my um, July 2020 King of Games report here. With a long balance Witchcrafters deep dive. So if you like Witchcrafters. This is your segment where I talk about it for 33 minutes. Uh, we also got news for the upcoming month. So all of August is here. And yeah. Some announcements as well. So I had a very um, unremarkable week. You know, I hit King of Games last week, and you know, there's nothing to do. So I I literally spent all my time writing these notes and farming. I didn't farm. I auto dueled the characters. Almost done with Antimony and the Mech Lord guy. I got all his cards, so I am all good. So news we're gonna have. Two non um, non game news in some ways, kind of like web news. First announcement is on Twitter yesterday. A Duel Links, a Konami employee who is in charge of relaying information to Duel Links. His tweet, his Twitter name is ProGrise. He sent out a tweet asking if there are any. Um, you know, questions or comments about Duel Links, and they'll they'll help answer them. So, um, I actually did respond to this tweet, and hundreds of people did. Maybe like a hundred people did as well. So, a lot of comments there. I'm gonna try to unpack all of this next week. Try to find all of the responses to the tweets and things like that. What people asked. Um, I don't know. This is very interesting stuff because we typically get no uh, communication from Konami at all. And I'm not sure if that's by design or what, but um, we get a lot more from other dev teams. Other dev teams, they're either very active on social media or they have regular um, content streams or whatever. Like Warframe, they, um, they stream weekly. So um, the lack of communication, there's a veil of mystery uh, with Konami and Duel Links. And... This guy's not a dev, from what I can tell. He's kind of the go-between between the devs. So any information we can get is pretty uh, interesting, and we see what we can glean from it. But there was, uh, you know, a tweet about content creators, and it seemed both content creators, which they said were partnered with Konami Guns Blazing and Yummy Bukora, I don't think they play Duel Links. I don't think they play Yu-Gi-Oh! at all anymore, so I don't know what the deal is. But... Um, I'm going to try to collect all these tweets next week. There's also an announcement from Duel Links Mania. There is the event called Duel Links Mania held by 
Duel Links with the Boys podcast. And this is going to be held on August 2nd. So next Sunday, this event will be held. And it's going to be like a it's going to be a tournament uh, held there, like 100 participants. So there's actually still room to participate in Duel Links Mania. Um, what you have to do is sign up to their... You have to go to their Discord channel. I have their link there. And you have to subscribe to the podcast, provide proof of subscription to the podcast... And then there's a link to uh, sign up at smash.gg. Tournament is on August 2nd at 1 p.m. Eastern. And it's interesting because there's this 100-person tournament, and then there is a main event. We're going to go into wrestling, wrestling here. There's a main event between two other of the podcasters. One of them is uh, Rain from the um, the other podcast, um, Duelings Radio. So... It's a collaborative effort. I'm just here to ask people to join. I probably will check out some of it myself too, and hopefully we'll talk about the uh, findings, the results at the end. So uh, pretty cool stuff. Happy to shout out stuff from this uh, podcast community. All right, let's get to this week in eSports. Battle Phase 78. Witchcrafters are here in the top 32. First place, Voorhees, Master of Destiny, Machina, Predaplant, Desperado. When you got three different things in a deck, it's pretty spicy. And there's actually a very good synergy between three copies of Desperado Barrel Dragon and three copies of Machina Fortress. Um, yeah, so the Barrel Dragon comes out when a machine is destroyed. So the... Oh wait, it doesn't work. Machina Fortress is an Earth machine. What happens is... Hmm. Less synergy than I thought. You do have BM4 Blast Spider and Twin Barrel Dragon in the deck. Uh, Machina Fortress could just discard the Desperado, so it just comes out for that. I guess there's synergy there. Two copies of Super Team Buddy Force Unite. Um... Yeah, they just have to have type. They don't have to have attributes. So this works with the two different machines. There's some synergy there. Other than that, two copies Twin Barrel, one copy of Temperance, one BM4 Blast Spider, two copies of Predaplant Clamita Sundew. This helps you do that play with Chimera Flacia. It's a pretty cool thing. Any darkness deck um, could warrant just running this card, so another benefit of buying Witcher's Sorcery is having this Predaplant package, if you will. One copy of Misjudge, two cup of Ace, one Fiend Comedian, pretty strong card here. You could just clear out your opponent's graveyard. Uh, one Head Judging, I like that card. Two Super Team Buddy Force Unite, and one Ultimate Providence. Second place, no meta. Destiny Draw Invoked Element Saber. Uh, despite the name, no meta, it's a fairly old meta deck, one that is falling out of favor. Um, it relies on an uh, ending nightmare to get to that life point loss requirement because there's no other cards that do uh, run life point loss. Two copies of Bad Aim. Though Bad Aim is starting to see some play. Um, it's always been a sneaky good trap card and now it's just starting to creep up a little bit more. 
Up four, Erickson, beat down Dark Magician. Beat down starting to become a skill in Dark Magician, thanks to the unlimit of Magician of Dark Illusion. So you could rely on having three level seven monsters on the board. And they are running a lot of back row now to counter. They play a little slower now, I guess, but they, uh, to compensate for the Magician's Rod, they have accounted by putting more back row into the decks. Two copies of Divine Wrath and Karma Cut here. Up four, Skill Shot, Show of Nightmares, Witchcrafter, Light Sworn Witchcrafter. Um, this is like a full package with the Light Sworn. So you've got your three charges Lila, Raiden, Lumina, and Minerva. So you got all of uh, each of the uh, Light Sworn monsters, and you could tutor each one with the Charge of the Light Brigade. So it's a nice deal there. In terms of the. You know, Witchcrafter monsters, you got you got all of them as well. Two Madame Ver, one Edel, two Schmetta, that's interesting, two Jenny, two Pitori. Usually you run three Schmetta, so there's two. This is this makes the deck a little bit more budget, which is nice. And then, you know, uh one of each of the trap cards. This card uses this deck uses two World Legacy Clash um as the semi limit card. And then there's like an interesting split with the Witchcrafter spells. Three holidays, three unveilings, and only one collaboration. Alright. Let's get to Duel Links Meta Weekly 134. Chirinui were the top of the top 32. Invoke Neos were close behind as well. Dark Knight 93's in first place switcheroo Invoked Neos. Invoked Neos has taken over... Um, the tournament scene from Element Sabers here, I expected that to be a trend moving forward. Despite, you know, um, they don't have to rely on the Crimson Fox anymore, but I guess they didn't really need that card. But um, you still got Bacon Saber, you still got Volcanic Shell. Those are the two pieces you use in place. There's a lot of effect negation in this deck. Two copies of Divine Wrath, two copies of Ultimate Providence. Um, it seems to be, those cards seem to be pretty good right now. Second place, Trap Dexter, beat down Dark Magician again. Um, not much to say. Um, more generic cards, like Back Row, to compensate for Magician's Rod. Karma Cut, of course, you have it, you use it. This is probably the best trap card right now. It kind of went from Phoenix Chain to Karma Cut. Top 4, Nyx, Level, Og, Shirinui. Very clean deck here. 3, Gozuki's 2... Solitaire, two Squire, two Spectral Sword, three Ballistic Squad, three Phoenix Chain, three Floodgate, two Karma Cut. Whole lot of trap cards. And as expected, you only use two Spectral Swords. Didn't even try to put a third card in. Top four, King Grady, Switcheroo, Invoked, Neos. More more expensive version of the first deck. No Bacon Saver, though. Um, it does run three Karma Cuts, two Phoenix Chains, two Regeki Breaks, and Divine Wrath. So plenty of back row. We're getting back into a back row meta. Alright, let's talk a little bit about the KCGT. As I mentioned, uh, I think that just wrapped up Saturday morning. And I was looking through some of the standings they provided. And it looks like a few people did hit 6-0. and I was positing the question whether anyone would hit 6-0 last week. But it looks like a few people did. Um, 
I was noting the times of it on Twitter. I kind of made a um, made a tweet about it, and I noticed how in the Americas region it was like six a.m. I think it was the was the first duel, and I thought this was a little odd, but the times are. The times are set so that everyone can be included, I guess. Um, so, yeah, 6 a.m. to 8.30. They modified some of the times. 8.40 was the last duel, I think, for round 6. So they delayed it for 10 minutes. Um, yeah, looking at... Looking at the tournament itself... So it looks like two people hit um, six wins and zero losses. Um, a bunch five and one. So I think all the six and zero oh and five and ones are going to make it for sure. As I counted, there's thirteen people who are either six and zero oh or five and one. So I'm not sure how they're going to sort out the four and twos uh, making it to the tournament. It doesn't seem like there's anyone I really recognize. Francisco four and two, uh, Luke Tyler four and two, Sunsun's four and two, Gift is four and two. And we get to three and threes. We don't really care about those, do we? Love Japanese players. There's the um, Grimes and Elon Musk's baby was four and two. Dark Ragnos 5 and 1, I've heard that name before. Yeah, I don't really know these guys, unfortunately. But they're playing under aliases or something, but... Um, yeah, by this time next week, we'll know who has advanced to the second stage. Alright. Mysterious Turbo Duelist Event. This one was kind of split. We had a day of Mechlord Emperor Wysel... And then it got to Antimony. I don't really like the split format because I'm looking for Antimony and I keep getting Emperor, Mechlord Emperor Wysel. And then sometimes they do the level 30 instead of the level 40, which is... I don't see a point in the level 30. But anyways, um, I assume Antimony or Bruno will be a future legendary duelist, maybe. They're going to try to push the TG archetype, perhaps. But... Right now, they are just roaming duelists. First time we're seeing these guys. Alright. So, Emperor... Both of them do drop old cards. Um, even though they're new duelists, they drop old cards. Mechlord Emperor Wysel has two new cards. One of them is pretty interesting. This one is Dimensional Fortress Weapon. Level 4 Dark Machine, 700-200. Cards cannot be sent from the deck to the graveyard. This screams side deck usage in this meta in Duel Links. So some people say Dark Machine, right? So you have some synergy with Desperado, Barrel Dragon, sure. It's possible the um, Coin Flip deck, Sartorius, Master of Destiny deck gets a bit stronger. This could be a main deck usage card because that deck has so many flex spots. Um, you're going to have your coin flipping cards, you're going to have your other cards. This could be a counter um, against some graveyard syner synergies. So um, it could see main deck usage. 
otherwise this is a tech card against any mill or disposal strategy anything with a light sworn package zombie cards like gozuki that affects shiranui witchcrafters dispose from the deck to the graveyard element sabers with their field spell dispose from the deck to the graveyard neos fusion gets cards out of the graveyard so um from the deck to the graveyard so this counters a lot of different cards in the meta. Um, it's not going to be a card you just put into your deck. Um, I know at a point I did play Chaos Hunter, like just straight up in my deck. Void Trap Hole, another card I played straight up in my deck. And I guess it's a card that you would just put in your deck if you see a ton of it. So if the ranked ladder is heading towards a certain direction where every single, like let's say Dark Magician. Like, if Dark Magician did it, I would include it, but they don't, so... Um, what I'm trying to say is, if the meta is super heavy on that strategy of deck to graveyard, I would include this Dimensional Fortress weapon. So it's a pretty good card. One of the best cards we've gotten in a while from a roaming duelist. The other card is not as good. It's a trap card called Divergence Continuous Trap. Once per chain, when an opponent's monster declares an attack that targets your machine, you can target one other machine you control, change the attack to that target. This is something that um, changes attack direction. We do have machine decks in the meta, but this is a card that general back row is just better than this card because this is situational and having two different machines on the board. Um... Anything good. Econ, Wolf D, Paley, Zoe Canadia, Karma Cut. Any number of good back row are just better than this very situational card. Um, Non-machine decks wouldn't even use it. Machines will need two machines. One having a attack advantage, probably. So, yeah. This is something that is not very good. Let's get to Antimony's cards. He has four new cards... Five new cards, but Mech, Mech Bass doesn't count. First one's TG Power Glider, level 5. Earth Warrior Synchro inquires a tuner and a non-tuner TG. 2300 attack, 1000 defense. If this attacks a defense, position monster inflict piercing. If this is destroyed, draw a card. Um, mediocre Synchro Monster. It's got the same stats as Armadis. 5 for 2300, sure. Does piercing, that's okay. And then it draws a card when destroyed. So the problem with this card right now is there's no way to summon it. Um, requires a tuner and a non-tuner TG. Right now, with the cards we have, the only non-tuner TG is the tank grub. And... Yeah. The tank grub and then a level 4 tuner, I guess. Maybe um, Angel Trumpeteer, I don't know. But um, no, we, we need more TG cards to fully evaluate this card. Right now, it's just a level 5 uh, Synchro of Piercing. And with the way TGs work, they like to use their materials to Synchro. So they like to use this TG Power Gladiator to Synchro something else. Excel Synchro Summoning, they call it. So... Uh, this probably looks like an intermediate TG card, and we'll need to see the other ones to fully evaluate it, but right now it doesn't look too good. 
And even if you don't get it now, I think if we do get Antimony as a car as a character, we would get to use these uh, get these cards from his farming pool. Other card I mentioned: TG Tank Grub, level one insect tuner, zero attack and defense. If this is used as a synchro material for a TG monster, you can treat it as a non-tuner. If this is sent to the graveyard as synchro material for a TG monster, you special summon a TG token, level one zero zero in attack mode. So. One star tuner, non tuner, flexibility in that regard. Uh, pretty useful card in general. We're going to need more TG cards. This just seems useful for having that flexibility of being a tuner and a uh, non tuner. Next card is Buster Blaster, level 1, Machine Union 00. Once per turn, you can either target one face of monster you control, equip this to the target, or unequip it. Special summon and attack. When equipped by this effect, the monster loses 500 attack and defense. If the equipped monster destroys an opponent's monster by battle, destroy all face of monsters on the field with the same monster type as the destroyed monster. Interesting card. Um, the meta is full of archetypes at the moment, so usually if you're playing a certain deck, every monster in your deck will be of the same type. Shirinui are all zombies. Um, Dark Magicians are all spellcasters. Witchcrafters are spellcasters. You get it, right? Um, usually. This is not always the case. And if, and include the extra deck, usually the, the extra deck will break the rules. Um, very win-more card, though. And you're going to be way behind on the board to fully take advantage of this card. What I mean is this card will blow up the board if your opponent has more monsters. So you max out, your opponent has three monsters, you destroy one, it takes out the other two. Um, that's granted you haven't lost already. Your opponent has three monsters on the board, they should have won the game, right? So that's what I mean by win more. You're going to have to wait for You have to wait to be behind to, to take advantage of it, I guess. That's kind of the problem. There is a little combo, if this is a sexy combo, plant combo. Uh, you could do it with Akiza just for full flavor. Ivy Shackles, turn them all into plants, and then use Rose Tentacles, so you could attack all of them. Um, it seems like a miracle play, though. It's more of a fun play of this card, but yeah. A win more card. Last new card, TG times 300. I think the TG cards have these like very practical names. It's pretty cool. Continuous spell, all face-up monsters you control gain 300 attack for each TG monster you control. Not an, ba- not an amazing ability, but there's synergy with the tank grub because the tank grub will leave a token. That will give you more fuel for this TG times 300. So that power gladiator, if you do special summon it, you'll have two monsters on the board. It's going to be a 2900 piercing. That's not bad, actually. So... Uh, I may underlook the TG Power Gladiator for now. Uh, 2900 piercing is decent. Especially for 5 stars. And if they have more support, I could fully evaluate these cards. But right now, um, can't really say this is a playable card right now. Now the dual quest card, we get 3 copies of a new card called Goblin Black Ops. Level 4, Beast Warrior. 1300 attack, 0 defense. Uh, this card can attack your opponent directly if it attacks. It's changed to defense at the end of the battle phase. The 
Card's battle position cannot be changed until the end of your next turn except by card effect. So this is Goblin Attack Force with a thousand less attack, and it can attack directly. Hitting for 1300 is not ideal though, because you have to hit three times and you're still 100 short of winning the game. <laughs> so, like, like 1400 is like the deal breaker. But 1300, that kind of sucks. Like, And many direct attackers, Anki, for example, hits for 1400. Super heavy samurai can just kill you in one turn, so... Those strategies are so much better. There's so many more. There's so much more synergy. Even the cyber dark um, direct attacker is probably better than this. So um, no real point in running a goblin black ops unless you're really really budget and you'll have those cards. You missed them out from events or whatever, um, and you have some cheap burn deck. All right, Doug Dimidul is back. He is taking. Red Eyes and Predaplant. We've seen this. We've seen this archetype before, but this is Doug's take on it, his spin on it, and he absolutely cannot pronounce the names of the Predaplants. So, hopefully, you know the names of the Predaplant cards going into this. Um, yeah. So here's Doug's Dim Doug Dimmadul's casual deck of the week. Hey there, this is Doug Dimadul with Doug's Casual Deck of the Week. Now, this week, um, I wanted to at least talk about some splashable engines that you could use in kind of some dusty old archetypes. Uh, I say dusty old archetypes. I'm using one of my favorite archetypes in this deck, and that's Red Eyes. You know, just, I, I know we have some bad tastes in our mouths from uh, way, way previous metas when uh, those Red Eyes zombie dragons were running rampant with that beatdown skill, or when we started to introduce the Red Eyes, uh, Red Eyes Slash Dragon. Rest assured, Red Eyes Slash Dragon is in this deck. I know it's not as much of a threat as it used to be, but the point of today's casual deck is to just throw in a little bit of spiciness, and that is our Predaplant. Uh, oh, jeez, I don't even know how to pronounce this, but it's uh, that little lizard guy with uh, you know level two, six hundred attack monsters with a predator counter that uses fusion materials are treated as dark. During your main phase, you can fusion summon one dark monster from your extra deck using this card on the field and monsters from your hand, field, and or monsters with a predator counter your opponent controls as fusion materials. You can only use, you can only use this effect of uh, this predaplant, uh, not going to pronounce it, once per turn. So you're not going to have any predator counters on your opponent's monsters using this deck. Uh, I do like to run a fun uh, predaplant deck, but really just this level 2 600 attack fusion summoning predaplant monster can go a long way in a lot of dusty old archetypes because what this does is it lets you get into your predaplant uh, uh, Chimera Flasia. Gosh, these names are just killing me. Uh, I'm sure there's some kind of plant meaning behind it. I'm just not a plant person. But it's that level 7 fusion monster, 2500 attack, 2000 defense, 
it requires one Predaplant monster and one Dark monster. Once per turn, you can target one monster on the field with level less than or equal to this card's level. Banish it. When an attack is declared involving this card in your opponent's face-up monster, you can activate this effect until the end of this turn. That opponent's monster loses 1,000 attack, and if it does, this card gains 1,000 attack. So, uh, you know, anyway, this, this card is just really, really good with both of those effects, and it just allows for some extra banish action that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Now for the rest of the deck. I run my three copies of Red Eyes Fusion, which is a... Um, uh, you know, you fusion summon that one fusion monster that lists a red eyes monster as material, uh, sending stuff right to the graveyard. So I run my two copies of Red Eyes Black Dragon and my two copies of Gear Freed the Red Eyes Iron Knight to get into my Red Eyes slash Dragon plays. So just kind of some one way to recycle because uh, I want to run three copies of the Red Eyes slash Dragon in my extra de- extra deck. But I like to run Blackstone of Legend. Not something that you usually see in a lot of Red Eyes decks, but it allows some recyclability to send some Red Eyes Black Dragons back into your deck, uh, really with its second effect. Its first effect is pretty good, too. You distribute this card and special summon one level 7 or lower Red Eyes monster from your deck. Uh, and then also, if this card's in your graveyard, you could target one level 7 or lower Red Eyes monster in your graveyard and shuffle it into the deck. And if you do, add this card to your hand. But also, if this card is just kind of dead and not really useful, use it as fusion material with your Predaplant monster. So, it's a multifaceted tool. I also run my three copies of Black Metal Dragon as just one of the best searcher cards, and it's an equipped monster uh, you know, you can equip it as a spell to one of your Red Eyes monsters to give it that beefy attack boost of, if I recall correctly, 600 attack. I'll run my one copies of Red Eyes Archfiend of Lightning because it's beastly. And uh, yeah, that's basically it for Red Eyes monsters. But just to balance things out, I'll run my three copies of Sangin. What this does is it allow me to search out my Black Stone of Legend or it will allow me to search out my Predaplant Fusion monster. Uh, it really allows you to just kind of make some magic happen. I really, really think this is a lot of fun. Uh, this deck, you could also kind of start messing around with levels if you want to do a level boost, one of those type of skills where you can uh, manipulate the level of the monster. So when you get your uh, Predaplant Fusion monster on the field, you could boost its level so you could banish monsters that are higher than level 7 because remember, that it has to be at least the level or lower of that Predaplant Fusion monster. So if you somehow boost it to level 11, then you could basically banish any face-up monster on the field because you're not going to have too many monsters higher than level 10 or 11. So, yeah, you could make some pretty good strategery here depending on what kind of skill you're going to use with this deck. Uh, I haven't really put much effort into figuring out what the best skill would be, but I think I'm onto something there with the level manipulation skills. Um, but, yeah, that's that's for another day. But I just kind of want to give you an idea of just a splashable engine that can go in a deck like Red Eyes and just make it that much more competitive, make it that much more uh, serviceable. So I like it. You're probably going to see quite a few decks with this Predaplant guy that I can't pronounce being thrown into the deck. So anyway, that's it for my casual deck of the week. Uh, my apologies for kind of being on and off. I am still in the process of trying to sell a house and then subsequently buy a house while trying to transfer to a different part of one of the worst hit coronavirus states that is Florida. So yeah, there's there's that going on. But rest assured, I will try my best to at least try and record uh, a few deck profiles uh, when I have some time when I'm not trying to sell a house. But yes, uh, my apologies to the uh, the dual assessment podcast, but I got to do what I got to do. But yes, I will see you all next time. 
Please stay out of trouble. Please stay safe. And wear a mask. Please wear a mask. All right, thanks, Doug. You can check out Doug's Casual Deck of the Week every week on this podcast. Check out his Twitter account at Yu-Gi-Oh! Deck Talk. So it's time for the uh, Balance Witchcrafter deep dive. Um, I didn't do a King of Games report last week when I did hit King of Games, so I figure I'd talk about them now. Witchcrafters are... It's a deck that I wouldn't say is the funnest deck to play, but I tried to make it as fun as possible here. And, you know, last month I hit King of Games with a restart version. That one that one wasn't fun to play, I, I must say. This one, you get a little more creative with the deck. There are 30 card decks now. I played an offbeat skill. Not the one which 90% of Witchcrafter decks do run, so there's definitely some fun in building this deck, and of course the synchro menu, the extra deck stuff, um, allowed more customization for this deck, so it was pretty cool. Um, I must note that Witchcrafters, I don't know where their spot is in the meta, they're, they're I think they're ranked tier 2 right now. They're not really like destroying all those old archetypes that got nerfed, but they're hanging around, they're showing up to tournaments, and it's hard to say whether... They will be a highlighted deck in the KCGT since the stage one is going to happen pretty soon. But here is my deck. So it's on Duelix Meta. I guess I'll post a link that probably would help everyone see the deck. But, you know, Witchcrafters, um, like I mentioned before, they're not the funnest deck to play against. Um, Having effect negation... It, having some kind of lockdown mechanism of any sorts is not fun. I think the Ra's Disciple give and take a hit was a thing to do because they couldn't do any uh, special summons. So that's a whole lockdown on special summons. You know, continuous burn things. Um, anything really, like, not fun. But Witchcrafters aren't there yet because their effect negation only happens once per turn. So it's similar to Silent Magician or um, Six Sam's kind of. Like, they they have that one activation and then that's it. So there's a bit of a skill play there. It's not complete lockdown, but it's up to the, the Witchcrafter player to be smart about when they use their lockdown. So I guess that's why it's not, you know, a completely unfun deck to play against. Um, you can be outsmarted when playing it. So the archetype witchcrafters, um, I spent all my gems on witcher sorcery, and I'm happy to say that I'm, I'm almost made up all of them back. I'm I'm like at seventy six hundred gems now, so that's, I didn't buy the last mini box. Um, so I did spend a few rotations on it. I did buy some more of it recently, and I did I did get my third Patori actually, but um. I think I was trying to build a spellcaster, a spellbook deck, but um, I did spend a lot of gems on Witch's Sorcery, so that's why I played Witchcrafters. They were the main deck from that box. Um, 
And in this run, there are there was one time where I switched decks. I usually derank to Legend 1 at some point when the meta gets too tough, and I get tired of a deck. So at this point, in this run, I did turn back to Akiza Synchro Toolbox. It is my primary number 2 deck, but I switched back to Witchcrafters um, after I figured some things out. So most decks do run Show of Nightmares. That's probably the best way to play Witchcrafters. It's not, it's not a um, gimmick. You know, witchcrafters like having a lot of spells in the graveyard, and to get one back immediately not only gives it gives Madame Vera two things to do with it. You can do the, you know, effect negation with it, and also gives her monster a thousand extra attacks. So, Show of Nightmares is definitely the best um, skill to use for the deck. Now, what, where I come from, I wanted to have an advantage. Not in that way, because I feel like in a show of nightmares mirror, well, it depends when you mill, I guess, but, you know, head to head, I feel like I would be outskilled sometimes, so I wanted to get an advantage and play a skill not associated with the deck, and use a legendary duelist not associated with the deck. So balance was the perfect skill, because there were some decks that did run balance, uh, I think the first deck I got the idea from was Simon, who Simon is a Japanese player. And he placed in some weekly tournament. It wasn't even a meta weekly. It was just like a point battle tournament. I saw a deck, um, still a 30-card deck, but it was pretty cool. Um, ba- Witchcrafters are not associated with trap cards. They could run trap cards. They do have two... Um, archetypal trap cards but they're primarily a spell deck so balance will require you to run more trap cards than you have Um, so that would include adding some generic trap cards but um, I wanted to get that advantage I wanted to play someone who was not arcana and not tip off my opponent I think sliding behind the radar and Playing around, playing around the meta, playing around predictions has some value to it. So that's why I did choose Bounce. Alright, so let's get to the monster build here. There's 11 monsters in the deck, and we're going to start off with the Witchcrafters. Two Madame Vare, um I wrote this whole guide spelling Madame wrong, that's pretty funny, but... um. This is a card you only want two copies of. I think that's right. I don't think any more, any less. Boss monster of the deck. You run three, you might break yourself into oblivion. Especially with the balance build, you're guaranteed a monster. You don't want all your um, Madame Vera's taking up all your spots. She does everything for the deck that's flashy. She negates enemy effects once per turn. And can buff monsters by multiples of a thousand based on the number of different spells in hand. So, typically if you do have a Witchcrafter monster, you would likely, and you have two spells in hand, you would likely cycle twice. What I mean is you play the monster, cycle, send it to the graveyard, with the spell, and then you summon another monster from the deck, then you cycle that one out, send the spell to your hand, and get Madame Vera out of the deck. At turn's end, you can draw up to three cards from the graveyard, so there's the two Witchcrafter spells you ditched, as well as, let's say, a Shmeta or a Pitori, 
you're going to get another card back. So with the Madame Vare set in defense, you're going to get those three cards back. So that's pretty much the optimal play uh, when you're going first. And with Madame Vare having 1,000, 2,800, I'm going to borrow a phrase from old host deck tech. She has a big butt. So you want to put her in defense, 2,800. That can withstand a lot of stuff. Um, you know, um, there could always, you could you could be confident you play her in attack mode. Oh, I might have enough cards in hand, but your opponent will be smarter than that, and they can hit over probably 3,000. So um, you can get greedy and have them hit into an attack position. Madame Ver get destroyed. But I think taking the damage with the defense is better. Higher stat line there. And, yeah, um, deeper in defense, typically a start off. But an important skill when playing Witchcrafters is knowing when to attack with her. The, the 1,000 attack is not, like, super low because Shmeta has, uh, Edel has more, first of all. Shmeta has more, but then Madame Vera and Pitori both have 1,000. So, at some point, you're going to have to attack with those monsters. And knowing when to shift... Madame Vera and to attack and to attack is a main skill of the deck. So you can't keep her in defense forever because you're going to have to flip that switch and go on the offense at some point when you do have all your cards set up. So um, that is a main skill of the deck that uh, can be gained through losing a lot of uh, games and knowing when you messed up in attacking. So Shmeta, I run three copies of her. Um... This is probably the main card you would need three copies. I don't think any other Witchcrafter monster you should run three copies. Pitori, you could make an argument for Pitori, but Shmeta is definitely a three. And it's the main deck worker. It populates the graveyard, and it's a card you want to start off with. All those reasons gives it... It's in 1800 attack. So all those reasons make you want to run three of her. And... The balance deck typically doesn't run Edel, so there's no Edels in this deck. So she will have the most attack. Um, as I said in that opening play, you want to start off with her so then you could cycle twice and then use Shmeta's ability to banish and get that third Witchcrafter spell into the graveyard. So there's three Witchcrafter spells. Hopefully you would have tossed two and then milled a third with your Shmeta so you can get them all back. Um, typically she'll be banished first because of that ability so you want she's in the graveyard first you banish her and then you can use a trap card like witchcrafter patroness to recycle her back so typically she is the monster you get back from patroness alright witchcrafter jenny I have two of her no attack value with this card it's just uh, 300 attack but she is a core monster of the deck she became a core monster. The Light Sworn, you know, 30 card engine is a self mill deck. A lot of times you're going to mill a spell, a witchcrafter, and Jenny. So Jenny can allow multiple big plays in a turn. And you can see how the Light Sworn engine sometimes with the different plays like Levianir and then the Judgment Dragon and then the Synchro play. There is value to having multiple plays in one turn. So your opponent plays around something and then they're going to have no follow-up for play two. That is what Jenny is for. And typically, you're going to have like a holiday or unveiling in the graveyard. 
And if there's Holiday and Madame Vare in the graveyard, you use Jenny to bring her back. If there's uh, Unveiling in the graveyard and Jenny and Madame Vare's in hand, you use that to get Unveiling out to cheat out Madame Vare. Or, you know, if there's Collaboration, you can use a sneaky double attack on your opponent. And which uh, Witchcrafter Jenny is especially important for Synchro Summoning. She can set up the Synchro plays. You get a special summon out of the graveyard. You normal summon. And then you can set up your Synchro play. So, very useful. And as, a, as the only one-star monster in the deck, she is the most viable target with Witchcrafter Masterpiece. Witchcrafter Masterpiece uh, has a effect in the graveyard that can special summon a monster from the deck. So... One is the least common denominator. Um, Tori's three, so um, as long as you don't, as long as you only have one spell in the graveyard, you can cheat Jenny from the deck. All right, two Patori. Simon ran three copies of this card, but I only had two, and now I have three. But now you know, I don't know if I should run three anymore. But I have two. Um, she doesn't populate the graveyard like Shmeta, but she is also very important. She has less attack. Um, not a good, you know, not a good selling point there, but useful for cycling another card. She lets you draw, and you draw and you discard. You only, you know, get a full card advantage out of it, but it cycles through the deck to set up a better play. And she's also good for a little last resort. So if you're looking for the deck to play. I mean, looking for the spell to get. She can cycle through the deck. And some decks only run Raiden as the tuner, so they're, they're just to have a level 4 tuner. Patori is the only card that will give you access to your level 7 Synchro Summon as a level 3. This deck gets around that. I'll explain it later. But she is important for Synchro Summoning a level 7 play. Otherwise, for cycling. So that's the Witchcrafter Monster Core. Let's get to the uh, two other monsters here, which are the Lightsworn Monsters. One copy of Raiden. Most decks, a lot of decks, I'll say, run only Raiden as the tuner. And with Charge of the Light Brigade, you're going to mill three and add a Lightsworn to the hand. This gives you an option to get Raiden right away. Raiden is also an okay turn one play if you have no Witchcrafters, so you just mill four cards. That's something you can do to populate the graveyard. Um, and because of the way the deck works, Madame Vare is going to be on the board most of the time as a level 8 monster. Because Raiden is the only tuner in many decks, you're going to be going into your level 12 synchro play more often than not. Those level 7 plays are nice and all, but because of Madame Vera's uh, importance, if she's always on the board, you're going to win. I think if she's not on the board, you're not going to win. You're going to make a level 12 synchro play more than any other play. Um, so there it is. Now, I wanted, I noticed this when I was playing Witchcrafters. I wanted to make an ele- level 11 synchro play. That's why I, I instead of having two Raidens, I have a Minerva. Minerva is worse in many ways besides being a level 3 tuner. So 
She mills worse than Raiden. She attacks worse than Raiden, but she is a level 3. This lets you open up your synchro plays. Hattori and Minerva makes level 6. You know what that means. And level 8 plus Minerva is level 11. So, you know, also with Minerva, with the 3 copies of Shmeta, it lets you make the level 7 a little easier. So, um, the level 7 play is, a, is less restricted. You only have to run a level 8. You could run a level 8 if you wanted to, but... There's a 1-1 split here of Minerva and Raiden. And it lets you use Charge of the Light Brigade to get either one out. So it gives you some options. Now with the Charge of the Light Brigade, you can mill 3 and you lose the tuners. So you might just be stuck to Minerva or Raiden. But it gives you options otherwise. Let's get to the spells. There's 13 spells in the deck. Two copies of Witchcrafter Collaboration. This is kind of like a win more card, but it's the kind of like a win condition when you're ready to attack. Um, you have Madame Vera on the board, and you have enough spells in your hand, and you feel confident to attack. This is the way to do it. Collaboration lets a monster hit twice per turn, and it gives them the ability. It's kind of confusing. There's a lot of like effect negation, spell negation things. The closest ability to this is Ancient Gear Monsters. So they kind of gain that ability where in the battle phase, your opponent can't activate spells and traps. So that was a pretty strong ability, if you remember. lets you hit through those battle phase only traps. So stuff like Wall of D will get, will, won't get a chance to activate uh, when you hit with this collaboration. Main problem with this card is it's a normal spell. So they can get hit with a you know, Paleozoic Canadia before the battle phase, and that'll just wipe them clean, I think. So they have plenty of opportunity to, um, you know, flip you over or affect you before you get to the battle phase. So, you know, that's the problem of collaboration, but I run two. Now, Witchcrafter Holiday, I also run two. This is, out of all the three spells for Witchcrafters, this is the one I would run three of. This, because of the 30-card uh, graveyard build, you're more than likely going to have a monster in the graveyard than in the hand. With the way you hit um, a grass or some other mill ability, you're going to have something you want in the graveyard. So, you know, uh, a big deck-building decision when building Witchcrafters is knowing how many spells to put in of the main spells. And I only have two... You know, if I wanted to be more flexible, I would run three, but um, I didn't. It, I guess you could run three, but then that limits the, the number of other cards you can put in the deck. And this is running a balance build, so I needed space for the trap cards. Um, yeah, like I said before, if this is in the graveyard with Jenny and Madame Vare, pretty good for getting her out there. Now, I also have two copies of Witchcrafter Unveiling. Less useful in this graveyard build. I think my restart build ran three of them, so it was a little different there. But um, this is more useful if you're playing Edel, so um, Edel can be cheated out with the Unveiling from the hand. Sometimes you start off with Madame Vera in the hand instead of the graveyard, so you can use Unveiling right away to get her out as fast as possible, but this is not ideal because you do 
generate negative advantage of the number of witchcrafter spells you get back in your hand. Overall, um, there are also situations where you can set up a synchro play. You would cheat out a monster that you want to set up the synchro play with. So it doesn't have to be Madame So Overall, I ran two of each spell. I would have liked to run three holidays, but I wanted to max out on card uh, the different spell cards. So that's why I kept it even at two each. Now the other spell is Charge of the Light Brigade. You run three of these. This is the Light Sworn Engine, the key cog there. Mills three, Tutors Light Sworn. Like I said, the deck has Minerva and Raiden, so I get to pick. That's a nice thing you could do with this card. Some decks run Illumina as well, so you could make it even trickier on your opponent. Um, the good thing about Witchcrafters is even when you spent your tuners, this card's not a waste. It provides a spell for Madame Ver to discard or to keep in the hand as another spell. So that's the deck does run a lot of spells that don't really serve a purpose. Like they could be technically dead cards, but no spell is a dead card in Witchcrafters. One copy of the Grass Looks Greener. 30 card deck. You only get one of these. You have to run it. Um, I've seen some ducks, some decks run Monster Gate. And I think they run both of them. Like you have to run Grass in this deck. And... Yeah, I don't... I don't really know how to use Monster Gate. I've just had zero monsters and expected to hit a Monster Gate. And I didn't have a monster, so I was kind of too dumb to play Monster Gate. I think the Grass Looks Greener is fine. There are situations like a mirror match or some kind of 30-card runoff where it's a dead card. Your opponent mills better than you. So um, at that point, it just becomes another spell for Madame Vera to use. In the semi-limit slot, I have two copies of Machine Angel Ritual. And with Witchcrafters, you can make use of a few uh, of these cards. Econ, Concentrating Current, World Legacy Clash are probably the best choices. This is another one here, Machine Angel Ritual. It's weird that I'm not playing Cyber Angels to the novice, but I'm using it for its graveyard ability. So when it's in the graveyard, you can protect a light monster. If it's destroyed by battle or card effect, when in the graveyard, you banish it instead. So, you know, this is primarily protection for Madame Vare, and it could protect some other monsters, Raiden, Minerva, um, and some of the Synchro plays, too, are light monsters. So, you know, it's another spell card. Um, it's kind of like running a Bacon Saver, but it's more situational, and because, like I said, if Madame Vare is on the board all the time, you're going to win the game. If she's not you're going to lose the game. So this is towards the point of keeping Madame Vera alive. Um, having the battle and effect protection is nice. If it was just one or the other, I don't think anyone would play Machine Angel Ritual, but because it does both, it's nice. No banish protection, no target protection, but you can't have it all. And just because you want it in the graveyard, it's typically one of the first cards you want to throw away with Madame Vera. Or any of the Witchcrafters cycling through the deck. Your Shmeta, your Patori. You just want to get rid of this card as fast as possible. And the last spell card is one copy of Storm. 
So witchcrafters typically struggle to fight the back row. Some decks run spell uh, spellbook of wisdom. Um, some of the forbidden cards, like forbidden lance. So it's kind of like, how do you get around back row? Some decks even run like typhoon as a trap card. So storms a really good way to dispose of your dead spells. You could just set your machine angel ritual, your charge of the light brigade, and then blow up the board, uh, the back row on your opponent. So yeah, it's another spell. It can power up your Madame Ver. If you're playing a deck that does not run back row, if you are, you use it to blow up their back row. Alright, six traps here. This is probably the weakest part of my deck. Two copies of Witchcrafter Patroness. Uh, there's two Witchcrafter traps. And to distinguish them, this is kind of the recovery trap. Both abilities are recovery abilities. So the first one is if there's a banish, it's continuous trap first of all. So as long as there's a banished or graveyard witchcrafter, you can send it back to the deck and tutor a witchcrafter spell. So you're out of your six spells in the deck. You can get one straight out of the deck. And it's limited by how many of those witchcrafter spells you have. So obviously in a deck that runs like eight witchcrafter spells, it has more long-standing use than the six witchcrafter spells I have. But overall, you know, in, in the graveyard too, it's not a bad ability. You can send um, any of your banished witchcrafter spells back to the hand. So that kind of goes along with the other trap card, Masterpiece. So you can recycle some spells you banished and you didn't want to banish. Like you wanted to reuse your witchcrafter spells and you get them back. So overall, this card just generates card advantage by recycling um, and populating your hand with witchcrafter spells. The other trap card I, wa- I run one copy of is Witchcrafter Masterpiece. Initial effect is situational. You have to have a spell in your graveyard. You have another copy of in your deck. So in this deck, Grasslook Screener doesn't work. Storm doesn't work. But the main Witchcrafter spells do. Machine Angel Ritual does. Charge of the Light Brigade does. So you, as long as it's in the graveyard, you get another copy back. So you get a one uh, spell return there. And then the better effect of Witchcrafter Masterpiece is in the graveyard. You can special summon a monster from your deck based on how many different spells are in your graveyard. And then you have to banish them. So usually this is going to be Jenny. Because if you don't have three, you can't do Pitori, you know, so on. So if you have one or two, it's going to be Jenny. So most of the time, it's going to be Jenny. And it's a nice... It's an ability to save yourself sometimes. You want to cheat out a monster from the deck to save yourself from lethal. So it's a nice ability and also useful for setting up a synchro play. Raigeki Break, one copy. This is a card I would run more of, but only had one. Um, you get to this flex spot area, you would just run your best trap card. So Witchcrafters have some synergy there. They like tossing their spells and monsters. Um, to facilitate plays. So there's no shortage of cards. You want to toss some dead spells as well. Um, I would have ran more. Now I put in a copy of Ballista Squad. As a substitute for a Rageki break. Some people run. If you have Karma Cut. I would run Karma Cut in this slot. But I don't, I don't think I even used this. But I probably did use it sometimes. But it was out of desperation. Like if you have to tribute your Madame Ver. 
you do it as long as you have a holiday in hand or holiday in genie in the graveyard. So you could do something tricky there where you just have like a minus play, but your opponent could have no card advantage. And that Ballista Squad could come in handy so as long as you have a holiday somewhere. So that's a nice play. But I was trying to compensate for the second Regeki break. That's why Ballista Squad's in it. Now the last card is Cursed Seal of the Forbidden Spell. This is a sneaky good card in Witchcrafters. It's a counter trap. You toss a spell and then you negate an opponent's spell and then they can't play it for the rest of the turn. So this is pretty good against cards and decks that run one specific spell. So the best example is uh, Invocation. So you negate Invocation. They're pretty much done. Like They can't win anymore. Neos Fusion, Black Whirlwind... Necro Valley, any really good spell card that's the centerpiece of the deck, you hit it and then they're done. So, you know, you're relying on this card. It doesn't hit too often, but it's a game changer when it does hit. Now, the extra deck. Most of the time, you're going to be making a level 12, and the main one you would do is Assault Blackwing Onamaru the Divine Thunder. As generic requirements, so the 8 plus 4 work here. 3,000 attack. You're not going to use it for its ability to have 6,000 attack, unfortunately. I don't think there's a way to do it with this deck unless you're super creative. You're going to have to run like a level 8 monster, and that's not worth it. You could run Scrap Dragon, I guess, to make it, but most of all this is just a 3,000 beater that's immune to effect destruction. So if you're playing against Shiranui, for example, and you know they have Ballista Squad, just play this card and you'll know you'll be able to hit over there, guys. Um, other decks that just run Effect Destruction, you would just trot out this card. And I think the play is, like, you're sacrificing a Madame Vera to make this all the time. So it has to be some situation where you know you have, like, a holiday... Or like, uh, yeah, you have like a holiday in your graveyard. Or, no, in your um, hand. Or genie and holiday in the graveyard. So you would know to to get Madame Ver back immediately so you could recoup your spells and do all that. So having a Onamaru and a Madame Ver on the board is pretty good. The 3,000 attack isn't super high, though. Like, some monsters can hit over it. Or it matches up with Blue Eyes in the meta right now or other 3,000 attackers. So the whole reason I ran a Minerva is so I can get into an 11 synchro play. And that is Star Eater. Um, so Star Eater is 11, 3 plus 8. Uh, generic requirements, 3,200 attack. And Star Eater is the ideal play against like a lot of enemy back row. Because they can't activate cards to hit it at that synchro summon. So any... You know, floodgate or anything gets it can't hit it can't hit Star Eater. They can hit Star Eater during the battle phase, so they could use like a fiendish chain on it then. But at that point, you kind of evaded a lot of back row. So this guy's gonna get on the board, and it also hits over three thousand. So Star Eater, I really wanted to include Star Eater, and that's why Minerva's in the deck. I didn't care about the level six. Now, next one's Fortune Lady. Every, probably the best level 7 synchro play. You are running Spellcasters, so 
you can make Fortune Lady every non-target banish, 2,800 and more each turn. You really want her for the non-target banish. And Machine Angel Ritual in the graveyard protects her as a light monster, so overall very nice. Samurai Destroyer, level 7. I actually never played Samurai Destroyer in this whole run, but in an event like you play against a Ubel player or something, or someone plays something, a monster you can't hit, like a Magician Girl, you would use Samurai Destroyer. So that's why it's there as a toolbox. Black Rose Dragon, same thing. I did use Black Rose Dragon to get myself out of situations. Max Destruction, blow up the board against a huge, unescapable situation. It's pretty good. And with Witchcrafters, they have a lot of resurrection, so Holiday is pretty good. You blow up the board, and then you can use Holiday to get back something in the graveyard so you're not completely defenseless. Finally, Bryonic. Um, Minerva lets you play Bryonic with Pitori. I actually never played Bryonic, um, but I can see a situation where your opponent has like one monster, you know, less than 2300 attack, you bounce them, you can set up a graveyard play to use Holiday with. So yeah, Bryonic has some use, but I did not use it. I didn't feel like I had a need to use it. Maybe like one of those monsters you can cut for a level 8, like Scrap Dragon. Or um, the battle beat the battle wasp card. So then you could kind of make like the six thousand attack with Onamaru. That's just a thought. You could cut Brionic or Samurai Destroyer maybe, and then go for that level twelve play. But yeah, that's my Witchcrafter deck. Uh, like I said, I hit King of Games a week ago. Super strong deck in the meta. Had more fun playing it than I thought. Uh, pretty nice deck. Alright, so last part of this podcast is the upcoming news. We've got the new news for August. Finishing up July, though. Kalen Kessler next week. New event, the Duelist Road Clash at, Clash at Crashtown. New uh, card imitation from Mission Circuit. Blair Flanagan is retired. So back, in, uh, back to August. Leo and Luna's Dual Carnival. New card... Hayabusa Knight and Total Defense Shogun. These are two very classic cards. We're finally getting them in Duel Links. They probably are completely horrible at this point. We'll go over it anyways. Early August, Tour Guide Bingo, UR Card Counselor Lily. I think this would be our third copy of that card because we already got two from Luna. Not a new card. Mid-August, DD Castle Siege. The DD Castle Returns. New UR Card Darkness Destroyer, and a new SR called Cocoon Veil. Mid-August, Dual Quest. Mid-August, Tag Duel Tournament. New UR card, Star Blast, and Sacred SR card, Sacred Defense Barrier. Late August, Mission Circuit, a UR card, Machine. Beast Machine King, Barbaros Ur. This is not a new card, so another old card. Last uh, Late August, Raid, Duel, Dimensional Disaster, Endora, Doom Vault, the Cubic Emperor, new Legendary Duelist. It seems like we'll finally get Aigami as the Legendary Duelist. And August 29th, 2020, KCGT Main Tournament. The findings from today's duels, the top 16 will be dueling it out. The makeup for the COVID. This is the COVID Cup of Duel Links. Uh, hopefully there's more press behind it. Like Hopefully like not no one 
I hope everyone will know about the KCG teaming tournament. It's just not something that's not promoted. I hope Konami really promotes it. I will do my damnedest to promote it. Um, we have to do our best with the situation here and celebrate what we have. So I've been struggling through allergies, so um, besides the um, King of Games Witchcrafter report, I have been completely out of whack, so thanks for dealing with me. Um, listen and subscribe to this podcast. Search the dual assessment. Um, check out the podcast and more at the website, thedualassessment.wordpress.com. Email me if anything at thedualassessment at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, dual underscore assessment. Or my own account, Green Ranger CCG. Next week, we'll be talking about Kalen Kessler, uh, the findings from the KCGT first stage, some more of those dev tweets. I'll be digging into those. I'll start collecting some of them today. And yeah, it's going to be start of the next season, so we'll have the new ranked awards as well. So that is it. Thank you very much. See you next time. <laughs>